I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. I'm excited about this episode of In the Red. If you're our first time guest, if it's the first time you've been with us, we're excited for you to be here. You'll know it's just maybe 20 or 30 minutes of me rambling on, but I think I ramble on about specific topics because of the world we're in, because of the situations and circumstances I've walked through. Um, I like to believe that there's a lot of people out there talking about a lot of things that they really have not gone through. They're just living through other people's experiences, which is frustrating because I see it all the time. Coaches who have never played, um, trainers who have never trained, if you will. So then they go online, they get all this information and they try to help people through it. But there is something to someone who's gone through a mess, someone who's got some scars, someone who's been wounded in some areas, but healing has occurred. They, they fought the fights. That's the people I want leading me, coaching me, training me, because I know that they have a proven method in their life. But then the second part of that is I don't want them to try to pass off their method to get through it as the only way. I love it when a coach comes in, takes their method, their learned situations, the things they've walked through, but then connects with me where I'm at, begins to walk through some things. Okay, let's formulate a plan based off my understanding of what I've accomplished, but connected with where you're at, where you're starting and where you're trying to go. Instead of just getting everybody starting the same place, finishing the same place, because then we really aren't doing anything other than creating robots. We're creating uh, this place where my success, the things I've accomplished is the bar. And that's where I want you to be. If you get to where I'm at, you're successful. And how limited is that? Look back 100 years ago. Look back 50 years ago. And the successes of those times compared to the successes today, how limited would we be if we were still successful as they were and and not accomplishing some of these other things? This even equates to our faith. As a pastor, I see it quite often, is we aspire to be what we've seen done. We aspire to be our pastor. We aspire to be our I don't know, someone in your family who is a very faithful Christian or a friend or a husband or a wife, or we aspire to be something that's a little bit better than us. So this comparison factor comes in. And even in that place, we can be be very stuck. Um, you know, just this week, I had someone that I uh, have a relationship with, somebody who was um, somebody that was, a, if I was going to compare in faith, someone I saw on a higher standard, a higher level. For, for years, um, but I got a piece of information this week that I'd never had about this person before. And suddenly it brought to life a lot of things that I'd never known. And in that moment, it began to decrease the value on what I thought 
this person had or didn't have. Like that can happen really quickly, right? So then the comparison factor, oh, what what am I comparing it to? As am I really struck? Like then the faith struggle comes in, right? Someone we've put on a pedestal suddenly is is not as high. So then it begins to affect our whole structure. This happens all the time. I'm not just talking faith. Every one of us have had, uh, maybe it's a celebrity, maybe it's an artist, maybe it's a someone in our family, whatever it is that we've held to high standards. And then the moment they fall, it really shakes our whole foundational structure on what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. And it can really affect us deep, especially when our foundation is really centered on who that person was. If they were our foundation, the things we built on it, they were that rock in our family that we said they started, they undid a lot. They were the foundation. If they had it straight, then we can build on that. And now that's crumbled. So then we begin to inspect our whole building as ourselves, our relationships, all these things, they all come into question. So as I begin to think about that perspective, I wanted to shift a little bit today on taking foundation from a building perspective, which I talk about uh, a lot, is you got to have a strong foundation. You got to have, just a few weeks ago, we talked about posture, and when you got a good base, I watched The Karate Kid last night, my 17-year-old son, who just turned 17 today, is um, starting to dive into some of these older 80s movies, which is amazing to me, because I'm... Those are my jams. The Karate Kid. We watched The Goonies here a while back. Um, he's even diving into some of the 90s. He wanted to watch Rush Hour. So I don't know where he hears about these movies or, or sees a clip or whatever it may be, but he wants to watch these. But last night, we watched The Karate Kid. And if you can remember the moments where Mr. Miyagi sends Daniel out to kick in the middle of the waves, and he talks a lot about balance. And having your bounce when you're kicking. And then we see Mr. Miyagi standing up on the uh, the, the pylons in the sand, the, the beams, and, and doing the crane kick. And Daniel eventually gets to that place. But it's all about having that posture of strength, that base foundation to really stand where somebody just can't knock you over by walking up and touch you. And I think from that now, I want to transition to something even deeper because Getting to a place where now our foundation still isn't surface, isn't connected, it actually goes deeper than that. Because my challenge to you today is first, what are you rooted in? That's your true foundation because we are a living being. A foundation from a building perspective is an inanimate object. You have a strong base to build another inanimate object on top. It connects the, the earth that you're building on, that concrete foundation. You dig down, you put it in the dirt, and it, it connects earth, the, the, the thing you're building on, to the thing you're building on top. It is this connection piece to really root or to hold it steady. But if anybody that may be listening to this is on a fault line, even those sturdy foundations, the earthquake can, can damage those things. But now, when you think of a living object, because we are all living objects, so inanimate, while it's the concept is right, we got to have a, a foundation to build upon. The transition now for us as living objects is to see that a root structure or our roots are our actual foundations. I don't know if you've done any research on this, but roots for a tree 
if you are a homeowner, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially if you may have planted a little tree because you knew it was going to be pretty one day, a little closer to your house. Or maybe you didn't build the house. And this is where a lot of people uh, find out later on. They buy a house and somebody along the way decided to plant a little tree in their family not understanding how big this tree would come. So you got branches all over your house, right? Well, one of the things you have to understand about branches and a tree is for the root structure. In most tree situations, the canopy or the extension of the branches on that tree, if you could go underneath the ground, the root structure is typically, for most trees, as wide as the canopy. So the tree, if you could flip it and look underground, the canopy and the roots are like the same extension. And that's because it's a foundation. In order to support the canopy, you know, one side or the other, the roots are a mirror almost image, not necessarily, they're not as flowery and all of that, but they are rooted out and this is where when you buy a house and later on in life, you got roots, you get the branches hitting your house. You also have to understand that those roots underneath there are going to affect your foundation at some point, especially for larger trees. That's also where we see sidewalks that become disheveled and cracked and yet pieces broke off. The first houses we ever bought, we had a pine tree in the front yard that was beautiful, yet Whoever planted that did not realize that at one day that thing was going to be 40 feet high. And then the branches, although not 40 feet high, were going to be substantial and the roots were just going to destroy the driveway. I spent a lot of time trying to fix and repair the driveway before we eventually sold that house. And it was because of the roots. And the only thing to do then is to tear down the tree. So the root structure is one thing we have to realize is those the power of those roots is not only for sturdiness and foundation, but it's also for a living object to ob obtain water, to obtain nourishment. And it has to be in fertile soil because there are nutrients that are in that soil and that dirt. But then also the water that it gets, although it falls on the leaves of the tree, is not where it goes into the tree. It goes through the ground and then the roots take in that water. This is also another problem you'll see in areas where you have pine trees. Pine trees are thirsty, and because they take so much water, they will steal moisture from other trees, from grass, and that's why you'll see a lot of areas around pine trees that uh, are not as green, and it's because they're taking all those nutrients, all that water. Um, man, we could go a lot of certain ways with this, right? Uh, look at your life. If you're malnourished and you're around other trees, other living people, sometimes it's because they're needy and they're stealing all your moisture, all your nutrients, because it's all about them. Hmm. Have I ever thought about that? Think about your friend circles. If you walk around malnourished, unseen, but you still stay in these groups of people, it's generally because they're not speaking life into you because they're needy. They're broken. They they need all the attention. They need all the nourishment. Don't ever, and whoa, don't ever step in the way of that, right? Don't ever act like you need more attention. Don't ever feel hurt. Have you ever been around people like this? And even in moments where you are struggling, you're hurt and you need attention, they will shift it and make it about them. I know you're talking, I know you know right now the person I'm talking about. Every one of you had that person in your life and it's frustrating, right? Oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so died. Oh, I'm so distraught. You're not even family. You're, you're down the line. Of, but oh, I'm just so, I, but I need the attention. So I can take a situation like that and I can make it affect me. 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about because there's a lot of people like that in this world. A lot, right? Look at the society and culture around us. It is prevalent in the world around us. We've taught anxiety. I have a feeling that most people who walk around anxious and depressed really aren't. They just take the world situations, take what's going on around them, and they make it about them so they can get attention. We are in a world of influencers where everybody has to have the camera on them, where everybody needs to be seen. You need the followers. And now we've demonstrated it's not overcoming situations. It's not getting scars that get you attention. It's not saying, look at what I've overcome. It is look at what I'm going through. Oh my gosh, this is the world. It's so, so then we have all these sympathy parties where people click and look because we love to see people who are going through messes. Just watch, look at all the shows on TV. All of these bachelors, but now we have ones of bachelor in paradise. You got these ones where you have a couple that's about to get married and then they commit to going to this place and living in a, a house with 10 or 12, 20 people of the opposite sex to see if they want to actually get married to their, uh, the one they're engaged to or if they want to pick somebody else. This is the brokenness of society. We are selling brokenness. So then we allow coaches and teachers and trainers to never really have something. They're just less broke than you or offering you less brokenness. So then you flock to these things because I'm broke and I just need help. But what if you're not that bad? Anyways, roots, right? So you begin to look at the root structure on the people around you. Look at your root structure and you want to get in a place where you can grow. This is valuable. Because if you can't grow in a place, you need to find a new place. This is the beauty of us compared to a tree. To move a tree, especially uh, one that's grown in size, it takes substantial amount of energy and effort to take them and transplant those while keeping them safe. We as humans can generally do this easier, but it's still not easy because we have a connection to those trees. But I want to submit to you that the depth of your roots first is important. You have to be rooted in something. This is why in my faith, I, I challenge people within our church often because I think there's a lot of people who say they're a Christian, who, who say they uh, have faith, but really their roots are very shallow. So then all it takes is one wind, one wind or conversation or challenge to blow them over. And the moment that happens, they're blown up, they're disrooted. And then it's up to them to say, well, do I even believe or not? Because if you look around, there's a lot of people challenging the faith today because there's been a lot of people who are not rooted in anything other than what somebody told them, not, not rooted in anything other than what their pastor tells them every week, not rooted in anything other than a simple prayer they prayed in the beginning to say, I'm saved now, but they never had a depth of roots. So all it took was one question, one challenge, and boom, they're tipped over. And we see tons of people walking away from the faith because there's no foundation, no connection to anything. So that is the huge thing that you have to understand as a Christian today. What are the depth of your roots? They're going to be in a depth and a certain extension. The second thing I would challenge you is when you surround yourself with people is this has to be the strength in the church is roots growing together. So the largest trees in the world are the redwoods in California. And it, if you looked at the size of these, the, the monstrosity of these trees, and then you see all of the elements of weather they have to go through, you would think that their roots are really big, right? So in that case, if the roots are that big, then they have to be completely separate from the things around them. 
But if you go look at these trees, they're very close together, which is by judging the standards of roots that we just talked about physically impossible. But what happens is in these roots is their roots are only about 10 to 12 feet deep for a tree that's an amazing size, the massive structure of this, the, the circumference of the base of the uh, entire trunk of it, the canopy of these trees. So only t- six to 12 feet underneath the ground or their roots are that deep, but then intermingled because the trees are so close, these tree roots come together and weave together to create a strength, a pattern of strength and a foundation uh, that holds these things up and supports one another. But then in that place, because right, they need moisture, things that need that big need moisture. They actually only take what they need instead of more than what they need. They're not needy like those friends or those people in your life who need the attention. They take what they need because they know the other trees, they need two things. They need the moisture and the water or the water and the nutrients, but they also need the support of the other trees around them. So then they only take what they need and they ensure that the other ones can have what they need in order for the support structure, the foundation to stand. That's why they withstand the winds that they have. Uh, hurricanes, fires, all these things, the structure of strength is togetherness. See, this is where we are struggling in society today. Even within our own cultures, we are so apart. Even in our churches where there should be a structure, right? Because that's what Jesus preached about us coming together and only taking what we need and serving one another instead of being self-serving, instead of being selfish. He said, that's the place that we should come. Why? It's the demonstration of what these redwoods offer, a covering, a strength, a protection, but a leaning on to one another. I'm a country boy, too. The church needs to understand that if you look at fields, most fields in flat plain areas and from Arkansas and well, we have some mountainous areas, the majority of the, the central to southern part of the state are all flat. So then around these fields that have winds blowing through Kansas, you see this too in these fields, they'll plant trees along the outskirts of these fields because it gives a break from the wind over these fields that would blow the dust, blow the seed and all these things. It actually gives a covering, a protection. So we as the church, if we had this strength and structure, the areas that were called to plant, the ministry fields, we would stand strong in those areas surrounding it to cover them and protect them and prevent them from getting to a place where they can't be seeded, grown, sowed. I go back to a parable and then we'll finish. There's a parable that Jesus told about the a seed, a, plant, a, a, a sower, a planter, planting a seed on three areas. One, Get the scripture out just so I don't mess it up as we normally do, right? We just read what we know. Luke 8, chapter 5. It says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell along the path, so just on the road there, that was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air came down and, and ate it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. So it sets on a rock, so it's not being walked on, but... It, it develops a little bit of roots because there's some dirt in there, but it, it withered away because it had no moisture. In other words, it, it really couldn't connect to anything. 
So even in that, look at the foundation. This is what we're talking about. Even on a sturdiness of a rock, because the, the foundation of a root system wasn't there, it died. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. When they asked him later what that meant, he said this. The seed is like the word of God or the Bible. The truth is what I believe in many of us. Uh, it is the truth. So the seed is the word of, Scott, uh, word of God. The ones along the path uh, are those who have heard. And just it never connected to them, didn't connect in their hearts. There's a lot of people who hear the word of God and because they're so hardened in their heart, because somebody's told them this is who you are. This is your identity. And it's challenged by this word and it says, no, I don't want that because it challenges everything that I am. So their roots never even have a chance to even grow into something because they have zero desire to plant in that. So it's just picked away. You know, this is the struggle with a lot of people. We, we fight who we are. We fight who we're not. We get people who tell us that you're this, and then it becomes our identity. How many people, and this is going to be a challenging thought for you, and I'm not coming against who you are. That's your own personal journey, and I love you through it, but I do want to challenge you with a fresh perspective on some things. How many people who have been raised in very masculine environments as females come out of that very masculine in nature? And along the way, society around them said, if you're masculine like that, then you must be a man. Or we have a young man who's been raised in a home of predominantly women. We find this a lot in our society where men haven't been present in the home. And in that place, he's in a very feminine environment. So what is the result? As with anything, his root structures are planted in a place where he has a feminine connection. It becomes his nature, his actions, all of those things. So then in society, we see a young man who's acting in a feminine way, who has feminine characteristics. And we say, you must be a woman or stop being a woman because you're acting like one. And eventually they don't know how to do anything else. So because of society is deemed, this is who they are. Well, this is what they are. And now we have youth that are following after these because they've been told that's who you are. We have their root structure are tied to people who said, if you don't do this, then you're never going to be anything better. That's who you are. So even in accusation or invitation, we've declared these about these people based on their characteristics, not their actual identity. And now we have a world around us with loud megaphones and uh, social media following all these things and saying, yeah, this is true. You can be anything you want. And now we have people, a society, a culture, a generation that is struggling to find who they are because they really didn't have roots into anything. No deep roots, no connection to who they were, just a declaration on what people have seen. Then we see in this example that. We had some seed that fell on to areas of the rock. And when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. In other words, the rock will gather some amount of water. They'll be able to grow somewhat, but eventually it dries up. The sun comes out, all of these things. So I challenge you today. Are you depth? Are you deep in your roots? Do you have very shallow roots that you're starting to wither away? Life hits you. Things take from you. And slowly you become less than and less than. Or have you just never found that place 
to connect to. I encourage you today. There's hope. But you got to look. You got to connect. If you're one of those that's in a church today and connected to a village of people, but you're struggling in your own strength, check this root structure. Get into a place where you can get connected with people that don't constantly take from you. This is the challenge, church. It's time for us to stand strong and united, not to take away from people who are struggling, not to accuse people who are struggling, but to cover them, to protect them. Because it's that place when we give them cover and protection, when we give them love, grace, and mercy in the same way you got it in a place of brokenness, maybe, just maybe, that seed that's thrown on there can one day take root and grow. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go.